0: With the Joint Convention, I present to you the Governor of the Great State of Michigan, the Honorable Gretchen Whitmer.
1: Governor Gretchen Whitmer delivered her fifth State of the State address last night. It's the first of her second term as governor, and her first in person address in three years because of COVID restrictions. This was also her opportunity to make her priorities known, working with a Democratic majority in the legislature. Today, we're going to talk about what we heard from Governor Whitmer last night.
2: No challenge is too tough for Michigan. So tonight, let's talk about what we can do and where we are going together. We are eager to chase our bright future with hustle and grit. Michigan, the state of our state is strong and ready to go.
1: This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Here to break it all down for us is Colin Jackson with the Michigan Public Radio Network. Hey, Colin, how are you?
0: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: Good. Also with us today, Alyssa McMurtry from Gongwer News Service, who was following everything in Lansing last night. Hi, Alyssa. Hi, how are you? Let's start out with the mood and the reception in the room, you two. I mean, I imagine Democrats were sort of floating six feet above the ground. Is that is that what you two observed, Colin?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Democrats were feeling pretty good last night. The governor came out and she gave her speech. She named a lot of the priorities that Democrats had already been working on. Uh, many of these things were bills that we've been hearing about for the past three weeks since session started, like expanding the earned income tax credit uh, for low and middle income workers. Uh Another thing she talked about was repealing the state's pension tax. And there's some conversation back and forth between Democrats and Republicans about messaging and whether or not it actually constitutes a repeal of a so-called pension tax. But regardless, it would repeal uh, or at least give a benefit to public retirees. So that's something that Democrats have been pushing for a while that Governor Whitmer specifically called out right off the bat in her speech. A lot of focus on education. Um, She hit gun control policies. That's something else, too. So Democrats were in a pretty good mood.
1: Sure. Alyssa, did you notice what kind of stuff got some of the biggest applause lines? What did you come away with uh, a sense of what the Democrats in the legislature are most excited to tackle?
3: Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing, you know, obviously the Democrats, you could definitely feel that they're excited to finally be in the majority. I and if you could feel that energy. They were excited about it. You know, they they applauded, they definitely applauded the EITC, um, which now has a new name, which I am still
1: working on. Um. (laughs) Don't call it earned income tax credit. Right. (laughs) The
2: Working Families Tax Credit, formerly known as the EITC, is a bipartisan tax break at the federal and state level. Boosting it delivers an average refund of at least $3,000 to 700,000 families yes
3: yes obviously education was also huge um there's been a lot of talk about repealing that section in that read by grade three law that would hold um students back if they didn't meet certain criteria um you know so education obviously was a big thing among the democrats as well um but i think also just you know just some of her more fun punchier lines about you know I'm going to invite anybody who wants to come to Michigan and, you know, not be a part of a certain type of agenda. I'm looking at you, Ohio and Indiana, you know, stuff like that Mm -hmm. um, really got, you know, got some laughs, got their attention. um, And they definitely were they were definitely feeling it that night.
1: For sure. Likewise, on the other side of the aisle, Republicans. uh, This is the first time in quite some time that they had been watching this As a minority, it was kind of hard to tell in the broadcast what kind of reaction Republicans in the room had. What did you two notice?
0: Well, from at least from the broadcast, when we talked with uh, Minority Leader Nesbitt in the Senate and House Minority Leader Matt Hall, a lot of their early criticisms came out. Just saying that the governor wasn't very specific about some of her proposals. They would have liked to see more details about, for example, her infrastructure plan. Um, They came back to frequent criticisms that we've been hearing since the start of session, which is criticisms of uh, her retirement tax plan and how it wouldn't benefit as much seniors as they say their plan would. Um, We also heard some other criticisms here and there of other Democratic proposals. Really, it just seemed like they were kind of reacting to – they described the governor as spiking the football. It seemed like they wanted to discuss some sort of opposition, but it seems like they're still kind of getting their feet in terms of where exactly they think the battle lines are going to be drawn and where they think they can work together.
1: Mm -hmm. Let's dig in a little bit on uh, what I'm going to – I'm with Alyssa. I'm going to continue to call it the uh, earned income tax credit for working families just for now. Um, this is this has been a pain point for Democrats for several years in a row now. Um, What what kinds of things were you what signs did you get from Whitmer's speech that told you that this is definitely going to be a priority for Democratic leadership?
3: You know, I think just how much she spent her speech talking about that and talking about, you know, putting money back into their pockets, making it easier for families um, to work. And then kind of tied in with that too, the talk about universal pre-K and making that available and saying, this is going to save you guys $10,000 you know, a year.
2: So let's expand our bipartisan preschool effort, the Great Start Readiness Program, so every four-year-old in Michigan can access a free public preschool education by the end of my second term.
3: Uh, she It sounds like she really wants to get this one through. There's obviously been a lot of bipartisan support for expanding the EITC. Um the numbers have been a little bit all over the place. Usually it's about 20 or 30%. Um it seems like it's going to get to about 30%. I think it's going to land there, but I mean, this was, you know, this is something that Democrats have been focusing on since the first day that they got into this legislative season. Um and I think there has definitely been some, you know, conversations between the House and the Senate with Ms. Whitmer um, about, you know, what what the next steps are. And we're going to get this through and we're going to get this on your desk. Um, So I I think there's a real confidence, you know, not only just in the speech, but in, you know, the makeup, this Democratic trifecta that, you know, they're going to be able to get a lot of the things that they want to get through. Um, Also, another thing that comes to mind is repealing that 1931 abortion law, um, abortion ban law. Um, So I think, you know, it's not only just the speech, but I think it's also
1: the opportunity that they're going to have for at least the next two years. Alyssa, you mentioned the governor's proposal for universal pre-K before the end of her second term. And I know you keep an eye on education issues. What would it take for a program of that scale to happen?
3: That's a good question. I was actually asking that um, of some people last night. You know, what would this implementation look like? Um, something that, you know, we've noticed um, at Gong, where I'm sure other people have noticed also, um, but I think there is about 35,000, a little bit more than that, um, enrollees in the Great Start Readiness Program, um, that, you know, pre-K that's available to those uh, four-year-olds. And there's about 100,000, a little more than that, uh, four-year-olds in the state alone. So there were only 35,000 enrollees, which means that we have all these other slots that need to be filled, um, but a big thing is that, you know, it's not just the funding, but it's also the teacher shortage. The teacher shortage is something that's not only exclusive to K through 12, but it's also yes. something that pre-K is dealing with. Right. So how are we going to incentivize those people to want to teach, you know, preschool, kindergarten, first grade, um, any grade, really? And, you know, how are we going to fill these slots? How are we going to let parents know that they have this available? Um and then another thing too where is this you know money going to come from to fund this program is it going to be a one time funding cuz you know if we can't just give it one time you know one time universal pre-k and then you know good luck for the rest of the years so what's that funding formula going to look like um there's there's a lot of details that I think still need to be ironed out and I think you know especially Republicans last night you could tell they were a little you know they were obviously excited um I wouldn't say excited but they were definitely willing to you know more education is obviously better for everybody but I think they had a lot of questions about the details and you could definitely you could definitely heard that last night.
1: We need to take a break. We'll have more for you in just a minute
2: support for the stateside podcast comes from the University of Michigan's Go Blue Guarantee Committed to keeping a U of M undergraduate education within reach of all Michigan residents, regardless of socioeconomic status, programs are available for all three campuses. More at goblueguarantee.umich.edu.
3: Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org.
1: We did expect that the governor would announce several measures related to uh, gun safety, gun ownership, safe storage laws, red flags. These were priorities that, that sort of got out a little bit before her speech.
2: It's time for common sense action to reduce gun violence in our communities. Let's enact universal background checks for people who want to buy firearms. Let's enact safe storage laws so we can make sure firearms are stored safely at home. And let's enact extreme risk protection orders so we can keep guns out of the hands of those who might represent a danger to themselves or others.
1: Colin, what did you hear from Democratic lawmakers about high on the priority list those kinds of things might be? I mean, this is something that people did campaign on, but it has been a real a real uh, hot spot in terms of legislative conversations in the past.
0: Democratic lawmakers are definitely still continuing to stick by this and saying that and promising red flag laws and safe storage laws, like you mentioned, and like the governor outlined in her speech last night. This is something that will probably be a little bit of a more heavy lift than they might hope, just given the slim nature of their majorities. They can't afford to lose any votes. And a lot of their members are coming from these purple districts and random, more moderate records. But that being said, Democrats are still saying that their caucus is on the same page when it comes to these bills. So they're not giving a timeline. They're not outlining when we can see these things happen, but they are still pledging that this will get done.
1: Yeah. Um, have you have you noticed whether some of the incoming class of people who, you know, maybe there there are folks who did flip uh, flip swing districts in this time around people who benefited from the redistricting process? Do you I mean, is that the kind of thing that people in those swing districts mentioned in their in their races and in the early days of their time in the legislature? Or do these do these calls come more from people who are a little bit been around a little longer and who might be in safer seats?
0: I believe that this is still something that Democrats, even from those districts are saying that they campaigned on, you know, I'm thinking to, for example, um Senator Rosemary Baer, who who represents uh, the district where Oxford High School uh, is. And mm-hmm. that's something that she's made very important to her and her campaign speech and, you know, gun control, um, safe gun laws um, and public safety. This was a major part of the governor's address going back to that. So I think for the most part, The ones who are more hesitant about gun laws are probably not going to be the ones talking about it right now, um, regardless of whether or not you came from a swing district or not. But as far as what we're seeing publicly and what's out there, I haven't seen any cracks in the armor per se, so to speak, um, as far as Democrats on this issue.
1: Well, I mean, you've got uh, the governor's office and both houses of the legislature under one party control and a surplus in the state budget. I guess uh, what's not to like at this point in the session? What's the when is Governor Whitmer supposed to produce her budget? And and when might we when might we start to see the rubber hitting the road with some of this stuff?
3: Well, I know that the budget, I think she usually introduces it um, around the first week of February um and then you know we get into the nitty-gritty stuff throughout february um but i think a lot of the work and the bills that is done is done largely through you know march april um and a little bit of may you know because we got to get that budget through in the summer so I, I think we'll I think we we'll, we might see the rubber hit the road pretty soon. Um it's what January twenty sixth today. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised within the next two weeks if we, you know, got a little bit more detailed list of, you know, what exactly she would like to see for fiscal year twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four.
0: Uh, if I could jump in there real quick, I just wanted to add Um, today the legislature is expected to take up a year-end budget closing bill that will close the books on the previous budget. This is something that normally happens before the legislature rolls over. Uh, but for whatever reason, the deal didn't get done, and this was pushed to this legislature. And something that could be added on to that today, it's currently in the conference committee and is a is rumors about a potential a uh, couple hundred million dollar investment in a Northern Michigan uh, paper mill project. And we've heard um, these talks about this economic development project uh, brought up last year as well. So these are already some newer things that we could see um, just passed within this week.
1: Alyssa, Colin, thank you for talking to us about this. Hope you get some rest the rest of this week. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. That's the stateside podcast for today. I'm April Baer. You can find full stateside episodes at MichiganRadio.org. Today's podcast was produced by Rachel Ishikawa and Laura Weber Davis. Other producers on the show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kapansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.